I've never in my 16 year career seen a rising interest rate environment. You know, maybe it goes up 1%, but not like this. If we can get inflation taken care of, not totally taken care of, but it can be blunted a little bit, then I think the Federal Reserve will be able to slow down the rate raising and then hopefully at some point drop it. I think we're 12 months away from that though. Welcome to season six of Bridge the Gap, a podcast dedicated to informing, educating, and influencing the future of housing and services for seniors. Powered by sponsors AccuShield, Inquire, Connected Living, Hamilton Captel, Refera, Service Master, Patriot Angels, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. The contributors are brought to you by Peak Senior Living and produced by Salinity Marketing. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, the senior living podcast with Josh and Lucas here at the Spring Nick Conference. We're really excited. We're going to give a market update today. We got Matt Alley. You're the managing director at SLIB. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I've been a listener, so it's fun to actually be on it for once. Totally, totally. You know, we've been coming to these events a long time, and there's obviously a lot of talks about the marketplace right now. Transactions, like where do we even start? Like what, what is what is happening in 2023? It's been a fairly wild ride over the last three years, I would say. I remember being back at this hotel three years ago, five days before the, the <laughs> world totally shut down, bringing back a little bit of PTSD, yeah. um, you know, from, from that. And uh, obviously it's been a crazy three years, unlike I think our industry has ever seen and hopefully never sees again. But yeah, right now it's, it's an interesting spot to be in. We had a 2020 of very few transactions. Nobody wanted to buy during COVID. Started to turn on a little bit in the fourth quarter of 2020. 2021 was the biggest year we've ever had. And I think it was the biggest year our industry's ever had from acquisition perspective. And what really drove that? Yeah, it's a really good question. There was, I know this is mainly seniors housing and not skilled nursing. On the skilled nursing front, there was a lot of federal funds that came in. There was a little bit on the senior side, employee retention credits, those types of things. But generally operators were pretty flush for cash and they had raised all these huge funds in 2019, 2020 that they were going to deploy over the course of the next two or three years. Well, when the spigot totally dries up for seven, eight months, people go into into overdrive. The other nice thing, and, and I'm saying this now because we're certainly far away from this, interest rates were incredibly low. And so people could get cheap money, Lenders were excited to work with really good operators, and it was easy to see the upside of, we had a 90% full building in March of 2020, and now we have a 65% full building. We're gonna be able to get there. And if it was a good operator, lenders were able to sign off for that. So it was a pretty good confluence of just a lot of factors that worked out great. 2022, Things were still really good for about two quarters. And then the world changed again, certainly not in the same dramatic fashion, but interest rates just continued to go up and up and up and up. Lenders became a lot less willing to lend out money and really slowed the market down. So we had probably 60 to 70% of the deals that we put under letter of intent in the summer of 2022 fell apart or renegotiated because we put them under letter of intent in one world and then they were trying to close in another world and that just wasn't possible. So now we're getting to a point, we've turned the calendar, we're a couple months in where lenders are starting to lend again. It was really easy for them at the end of 2022 to just turn off the spigot, say we're not gonna do anything until the calendar turns. Calendar's turned and, and they're, for good operators, there are lenders there. But 
it's at seven and a half percent interest rate as opposed to three and a half percent. And that debt service coverage is a lot harder to do at that level. So kind of long-winded three-year history. But right now, I'd say it's been kind of a neutral conference. You know, we always talk about our conferences, optimistic, pessimistic. I think right now it's pretty neutral. I think there's a lot of pessimism in the acquisition side of the industry, but I think there's a lot of optimism on the operational part of the industry. Occupancies are continuing to grow. It seems like we're starting to get a little bit of handle on staffing. I mean, we're not anywhere near there, but it seems like every month it gets a little bit better. So operationally, it's good. As a broker, the transaction market's a little uh, a little slow at this time. So what's the forecast moving forward? I mean, you say neutral, but yeah. do you have any feelings about forecasts through the end of the year going into the first quarter, first couple of quarters of next year? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think most important, we need to get a handle on inflation. That is far above my, my pay grade. Once inflation, we get a handle on that, then interest rates can start to even out maybe dip a little bit. And I think that's really going to help our market. We are actually doing a lot of deals right now that will have seller financing. So that opens up another option for a buyer. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. The other thing that we're seeing is long-term fixed rate debt that is assumable. So, you know, it might be a HUD note that five years ago, somebody locked in a rate of three and a half percent. Well, that's fully assumable. So we're seeing a lot of groups getting creative, sellers saying, okay, well, I want to sell these three buildings. Two of them have HUD debt on it. So we're going to sell all three of them together. And then it's not quite as big of a chunk to get conventional financing on the third building because we're going to have really low interest rate debt on the other two. And so you can kind of blended rate that a little bit closer to where historical norms have been. So is there a specific sector, a product type or region that's hotter for the acquisitions right now? Yeah, it's a really good question. So us at Senior Living Investment Brokerage, we have, you called me the managing director. We do actually have six of us. So we have 14, 15 brokers at our company that all work different geographies. I focus on Texas. That's why I like Lucas so much. Um, <laughs> but it is, I don't think one area of the country is different than the other. I think it's become really difficult to sell active adult. It's been really difficult to sell independent living. And then as you get further down the acuity level, it becomes a little bit easier. It doesn't seem to make sense, but the reason is that we had cap rates or multiples that were so low for active adult and independent living. If I'm paying a 5% cap rate on an active adult building and I was getting three and a quarter percent debt on it, it kind of made sense. You could make that work. How do I buy an active adult building on a 4% cap rate? when I'm paying seven and a half percent interest rate. So that's where it's become hard. Now, as you move upstream and you're at assisted living, memory care, those have always been cap rates that are, you know, nine to 10%, which is a little bit kind of like a return on investment. It's not exactly right, but for folks that maybe aren't as familiar or knowledgeable about the acquisition market, the higher the cap rate is, the cheaper the building's going to be. So that has driven cap rates up. It's made pricing come down a little bit because debt service coverage, you just can't cover the same amount of principal on the debt as you could have a year ago sure. when interest rates were a lot lower. Well, I love this perspective. Lucas, we have had all kinds of great interviews with the thought leaders here and getting your perspective from the acquisition, the broker's perspective, talking specifically about the active adult, a little bit more difficult there. Then you talk to like the finance folks and they're like, 
it's a good time to develop active adult. So it's really interesting as we talk, it's great for our audience to hear no matter where they are, that every challenge has a another opportunity, Absolutely. right? Yep. And so it'll be interesting to see through the end of this year, how people are pivoting yeah. and adapting their strategies. And I heard you say, because every single person we've talked to said, in some way, a good operator. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you when you say good operator? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. And from a broker's perspective, you know, we always think of the good operators are the ones that'll actually buy buildings and they'll perform on it. But for a banker's perspective or a REIT's perspective, it's more important that they are just consistent operators. They consistently perform at every single one of their buildings. Now, it's not going to be perfect all the way across, but they may not be the highest operating margin over their whole company, but they don't have any dogs. They don't have any bad buildings. If they do, they, they have a plan to turn that around. I love the regional operators that we know we're good at Texas. So why are we going to go to Oregon? Right. Like that just doesn't make sense. Sure. We've seen a lot of operators that have expanded way too fast. At SLIB, we've probably made a lot of money off of that because there are buyers that have, have expanded way too fast. But I'll tell you, if I'm an operator, I'm going to focus on kind of my core markets, my core type of building. And I'm going to really stick with that right now because there isn't the same room for error that there was a year ago. Well, and that just makes me think, you know, I mean, there has been for good operators. I mean, we've talked about this for years. There's always great opportunities for good operators. It's so difficult to stay disciplined and to not, like you said, when you have so many opportunities and everybody's chasing you to give you an opportunity to not grow too fast or to grow beyond what's the right opportunity yeah. for you, you lose that discipline and it can totally shake things up and mess the reputation up really quickly. Without a doubt. I mean, you think about it. If I make a buck on one building, why don't I want to go make $2? Right. You know, why don't I want to make $3? Well, that doesn't always work out that way. Right. Because you might lose a dollar on the next building. Sure. I think the operators, like I said, stay consistent and grow at a rate that is sustainable and really focus on their markets. We're actually selling a lot of buildings lately for operators that are just trying to get more disciplined in the type of building they have. So they may be a, only a Texas operator, but they have one building in Austin and they have six buildings in DFW Metroplex, they have six buildings in Houston. The Austin building's doing great, but it takes for 5% of their profitability, it takes up 25% of their time. Yeah. And so we've sold a lot of buildings for groups like that, that we're gonna go sell it to a group that knows Austin really well and just wants to grow. Final thought, give us your crystal ball on interest rates this year. Yeah, I am probably not the best person for that, but I talk to enough people that are. We have a an affiliated company of ours called Monarch Advisors, and Alec Blanc is the principal, and he's been a banker for 30 years. I joke with him, he's been a banker for 60 years. He's not quite that old, but he has seen a lot of different market cycles. But we were talking about that. For the three decades he's been doing banking, he has never seen an upward trajectory on interest rates. That hasn't happened since the late 70s, early 80s. So we've seen a lot. You know, I've been doing it for 16 years. I've seen a lot. I've seen the credit crash. I've seen COVID, obviously. I've seen huge supply chain issues. I've never in my 16-year career seen a rising interest rate environment. You know, maybe it goes up 1%, but not like this. If we can get inflation taken care of, not totally taken care of, but it can be blunted a little bit, then I think the Federal Reserve will be able to slow down 
the rate raising and then hopefully at some point drop it. I think we're 12 months away from that though. I don't think we're going to continue to go up and up and up, especially on long-term rates, but I do think there's going to be a leveling off hopefully by the end of this year and then hopefully a little bit of relief on interest rates next year. But I do not see us getting anywhere near where we were nine months ago. If that happens, we probably have a lot bigger issues economically or issues with Russia, something like that. Those could be major factors that disrupt things. But, you know, then we go in a different direction market wise. Wow. Fire conversation. Matt, this is great. <laughs> Thanks man. for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, uh, it's been fun to to be on the podcast after uh, being a loyal listener. Oh, man, Thanks, we're good. Man. We appreciate it. Uh, you know, we, we know you have a busy schedule, so we're going to let you get back to making those deals and those relationships here. And for those that have some more questions about this and want to connect with Matt, you can go to the show notes and connect with him. I'm sure you can find him on LinkedIn. And then go to btgvoice.com. You can download this episode and many more. Connect with us on LinkedIn. We want to hear from you. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap podcast with Josh and Lucas. Connect with the BTG Network team and use your voice to influence the industry by connecting with us at btgvoice.com.